Welcome to the New Life Baptist Podcast. Our mission is to love the Great Commandment, live the Great Commission, and lead one more to Jesus Christ. We thank you for listening, and we hope that you are encouraged today as we dive into God's Word. Amen. I want to thank our worship team for leading us to worship today. And as we continue in worship, let me invite you, let's take the Word of God, open the Word of God, and turn in the Word of God to Luke chapter 22. Last week we were in uh, Matthew looking at the Lord's Prayer. Uh, Today we're going to be in Luke looking at the Lord's Supper. Uh, Next Sunday, Lord willing, we'll be looking at what it means to be public in our faith and baptism. And then the week after that, we'll have an evangelist. J.J. Washington will be with us on the 22nd of this month. We're excited to have him come and share God's word with us, praying for fruit on that Sunday. But then after that, on the 29th, we'll be back in Mark. And so we were in Mark the whole fall semester, and Lord will will be in Mark the spring semester. And so we'll be back in Mark. If you're waiting and wondering why are we not in Mark, we'll be back in Mark the last Sunday of this month, Lord willing, and we'll walk through um, the, the rest of that gospel together. Can't wait to spend time with you as we walk together through God's Word. But today we're in Luke 22, and again, we're going to observe the Lord's Supper. And it's such a special opportunity for us as a church because he says, when you do this, as often as you do this, and so we do this here, and when we do that, it's time for us to do it in remembrance of him. And so today we want to prepare our hearts, prepare our minds to truly reflect on not just taking a ritual, but understand what this relationship with Christ means for us. That he's truly given his blood, he's truly given his body so that we can have sins forgiven, sins forgotten, and have abundant eternal life with hope secure for all eternity. Amen? That's what we have in Christ. And so we're going to be in Luke 22, and as we come here to the upper room, here's where we are. Jesus has been preparing them for this Lord's Supper. He's been preparing them for what this really is, is a Passover meal. Um, it's Passover week, and they're going to gather in a room, celebrate, observe the Passover meal, and he's already prepared them by doing a couple of things. He's washed their feet He sent a few of them on ahead to get the meal and the room ready. And as they are prepared for this, what we're going to see here in verse 15 today, he says in a statement that is so profound, it ought to make us really consider what he says. He says, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover meal before I suffer. He has earnestly desired. Now, can you even imagine the weight of that statement Because Jesus says, I desire this meal with full knowledge of the cross, with full knowledge of the suffering, with full knowledge of the weight of the unimaginable pain that he's about to go through humanly. He's going to go do this and suffer for undeserving, unworthy sinners. And he's also going to bear the full weight of the wrath of God. The full weight for the sin of the whole world, the wrath of God. He looks at his disciples Knowing all of that, he looks at his disciples, even the one who will betray him, even the one who will deny him publicly three times, and even all the others who will fall asleep when he just simply asks them to pray. He looks at all of them with all of this knowledge, and he still tells them what? I desire this meal with you. It's unreal. We, we couldn't do that. We would have no ability to, to withstand all of these things and do that for these people. And so with that thought in mind, I want to just challenge you with this today. You have no idea how much Jesus loves you. You have no idea. If you're here 
and you don't have a relationship with Christ, I'm going to just share it right off the page. We're going to read the text. You have no idea how much Jesus loves you because for Jesus to say he desires this meal also means this. He desires to be a savior for sinners. Right? To take this meal and to, to represent what it represents, he knows I'm going to die for their sins. And so for me to want this meal with you means I want to be your savior. I want to die for you. I want to forgive you. I want to love you. And he loves these people at their absolute worst and still invites them. And so I want to encourage you today. You are loved by a God who wants to be your sacrifice, who wants to be your substitute, and he wants to forgive you and bring you into relationship with him to the forgiveness of your sins as you repent of those things here today. Today I want you to see Jesus for you. Jesus instead of you, and Jesus in your place. Now stand for the reading of God's word, if you will, with me. Luke 22, starting in verse 14. This is the word of God. And when the hour came, he reclined at the table, and his apostles with him. And he said to them, again, I have earnestly, I want to do this, I've desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you that I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And then he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, gave it to them, saying, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup, after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you, is the new covenant in my blood. But behold, the hand of him who betrays me is with me on the table. It's astounding. For the Son of Man goes as it has been determined, but woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. And they began to question one another, which of them it could be, and who it was going to do this. This is the word of God. Let's pray as we submit our lives to him that his truth will be written on our hearts. Father, we thank you for your living word today. God, we thank you that you earnestly desire relationship with us. And God, I pray right now that the word of God will do the work of God to produce in us the will of God. So Father, we ask in your name that what, you, what we don't know that, God, you teach. God, what we don't have, please give. And Lord, who we are not, make us, Lord, to, to be more faithful followers of you, Jesus. Lord, speak for your servants are listening. In Christ's name we pray, God's church says, amen. Again, you can find your seats and keep your word open as we walk through the text today. You can plug in some things as we walk together on the backside of your worship guide. And I want to see two major things that stand out in this section of text here today. And I want you to see, first of all, we see the Passover, all right, the Passover meal. We see this Passover week. It is Passover remembered. All right, the Passover is being remembered with these disciples. They're Jewish. They would understand the history of the Passover. They understand what God is teaching them. And it says in verse 14, when the hour came, when it was time, he reclined at the table with his disciples. They sat down for a meal together and the apostles, all 12 with him. And he said to them, I've earnestly desired to do this with you before I suffer. And you notice this whole time he's been telling them, right, I'm going to suffer. The Son of Man, no one takes his life, but he gives it, right? We've been talking about his death and burial and resurrection this whole time, but they've never caught on. 
Right? They, they will go through the whole entire crucifixion, burial, and resurrection without any awareness or any remembrance of all these statements until it all clicks, right? And so here he is telling them, I'm going to go suffer, and so I'm going to do this with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I, I will not eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And so he's having the Passover, and what is the Passover? If we're not Jewish, if we don't know Old Testament history, what is the Passover. Well, you remember in the book of Exodus. In the book of Exodus, God's people, they have now been enslaved. They're under the great thumb of Pharaoh himself. They, they've been oppressed. They are uh, people who have been taken, all their rights have been taken away. They, they are nothing to the people of Egypt. They are nothing to Pharaoh, but they are something to God. And so here they are, and they're under all kinds of oppression, all kinds of slavery. And God's people begin to call out. They cry out to God, and God hears their cries. And God, what does he do? He raises up a deliverer. He provides a deliverer. His name is Moses. Moses becomes the deliverer of the people of God. And what does he do? He spends some time in the wilderness being prepared for this moment. And God sends him back. I want you to go to Pharaoh. I want you to tell him, let my people go. So this becomes like a little showdown where Pharaoh thinks his little tiny gods that aren't gods at all are going to stand up to the almighty God who is the living God himself. And they have this little showdown and God sends plagues upon the nation of Egypt to get Pharaoh's attention. And it looks like Pharaoh is going to relent. It's like he's going to give in to God. He's going to surrender and submit his life. But as he kind of even waddles, waffles back and forth, he finally does not. And so finally there's a last plague. And the last plague was the worst because what God said, here's what's going to happen, Pharaoh. Every firstborn son in every home will die in one night unless you take the blood of a sacrificial lamb and you cover your home, you cover your posts with it to show that you have been covered by the blood of a substitute, that you've been covered by the blood of a sacrifice. All of Israel does this. None of Egypt does. So the angel of God comes through on that one night and there's great wailing. And the nation of Egypt, because every firstborn son in every home, including Pharaoh's, died in one night. Incredible judgment, right? Incredible uh, uh, grace for God's people, but incredible wrath upon those who would not come underneath the blood. And from that moment on, they celebrate the passing over of God's justice, right? The passing over of God's wrath. And so they would celebrate every week, every year, they would have a Passover meal to never forget God will deliver, right? That's what the Passover is. They would celebrate God has passed over us. He's passed over our iniquity. He's passed over our sin. He has shown us grace and love and mercy because of the faith that we had in a substitute, in a sacrifice. And so even in the Old Testament, even in this meal that they're celebrating right here in the upper room, salvation has never been about what you do. Salvation has always been about what he's done. All right? Salvation is never about what you can do, what you have done. Salvation is always about what God did and what God has done. And that's why he goes on in verse 17. He says, he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he said, take this. Divide it among yourselves, for I tell you that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. This is the last time we're doing this here. We're going to have another meal, the, the Lord's Supper of the Lamb, right? We're going to have that there, but not here anymore. And he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to them, saying, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. That phrase 
Do this in remembrance of me, this body, this bread that was broken, which is given for you. Which is given for you is one of the most important concepts in the entire Bible. What do you mean by that? Why is that such an important phrase, which is given for you? Because it shows us the, the ability that God has to provide a substitute for our sin. What does that mean? It means, according to Ephesians 2, that there's nothing you and I can do to earn or gain salvation. There's nothing you and I can do to uh, perform into salvation. It is not a work of man so that we can boast. It is a work of God, and it's a work of God alone. All right, so which is given for you implies what? I can't give it to myself. Which is given to you, which is given for you implies there's nothing that I can do to earn righteousness. There's nothing I can do to make God happy with me. There's nothing I can do to, to somehow please God so that when I stand before him one day in judgment, the scales will even out. And I'll say, yeah, I did a whole lot more good, especially in my later years than I did in, in the bad category of my earlier years, right? There's no opportunity for that because it's been given for you not given by yourself. And so our temptation, though, is to do what? Play church. Our temptation is to somehow say, I went to church on Sunday, and no, I didn't live for him at all, lunch Sunday through Saturday night, but I did it Sunday, and I'm good with God for this week. I've made God happy. I've appeased him. I joined a church. Here's my, my membership card. Right? I got baptized. Here's my candle and my baptism certificate. Right? Here's the t-shirt they even gave me for it. Right? We think we can do all these things to be moral people and to be good and somehow make the scales, even make ourselves right with God. But you can't. There's no one righteous. No, not one. There's no one who can ever earn grace, who can ever earn righteousness. There's no one who can ever gain salvation. It has to be the body given for you. You can't give it to yourself. You can't gain it yourself. You can't earn it yourself. And so what Jesus is showing us right here is that salvation, right standing with God, is not based on us. It's based on faith in the blood of a substitute. That's the whole important part of Exodus. It's about a substitute. And so Jesus, he's taking this meal, and he's not taking a meal like the Passover that pointed to a Savior. He's taking this meal preparing to be the Savior. Right? He's preparing himself. I am the sacrificial lamb. I am the one that will cover you, and if you're under my blood, death and judgment and wrath will pass over you because it's already been laid on me. Right? This is what Jesus is showing his disciples, that he is the fulfillment of, of the sacrificial lamb, of the meal that they're celebrating and taking of God's grace and, and mercy upon the substitute in their place. And so when he takes the cup, the cup's no longer about the blood of the lamb, it's about the blood of Christ. When he takes the bread, the bread is no longer about the exodus and God's provision there, it's about his physical death and God's provision now. That's why Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me. Not in remembrance of the Old Testament, not in the remembrance of the, the old lamb. Do this in remembrance of my salvation that I bought for you by dying for your sin. So we see the Passover has been remembered, but remembered with the right perspective. And now we see the second thing is that we see the payment has been reconciled. The Passover has been remembered, and then the payment, which requires blood, which requires a substitute, it has been now reconciled. Because it goes in verse 20, Jesus says, And likewise the cup... After they had eaten, saying what? This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant. It's the new covenant in my blood. 
Well, that's a, that's a very big statement. What, what exactly does that mean? Well, as we know, according to Hebrews, this is the, the end of the old ceremonial system. All right, Jesus fulfills all the Old Testament requirements of the sacrifice, and now the sacrificial system has been put away. So this is the last Passover meal that they need to take. Now it will be the Lord's Supper from here on out. Right? So this is the last Passover because we're not celebrating Exodus, we're celebrating Christ. We're not celebrating the Lamb, we're celebrating the Lamb of God Himself. And so this is the end of diets, this is the end of the rituals, this is the end of the sacrificial system, this is the end of the, the priesthood there, not the priesthood of believers, but the priesthood of the old. This is the end of the Holy of Holies where God has been separated. Now we're going to see the curtain torn, God will be accessible through Christ, and this is the last Passover. This is the end of everything they knew to be symbolic about their religious life. All right, It's all been shut down. Why? Because there's a new covenant. All right, God had established a covenant. God has always been a covenant God, but now he's establishing a new covenant. And this new covenant is going to be what? Through Christ alone. Through his blood alone. Again, you go read Hebrews and Hebrews 9. This talks about how he is the blood and it was required for salvation through his blood and through his blood alone. And so this is significant. Why, why is it significant? Because it shows that even here, God always had something bigger in mind than just delivering his people out of Egypt. God didn't just take him out of slavery just to say, I'm a, good, I'm a good God and I can take people out of slavery. He's not just some moral God that just does good things for his people. God is showing us right here that the Lord's Supper being instituted shows us that he's putting all the weight of his salvation for us in the finished work of Jesus Christ. It's all been placed on him. All the love of God all the wrath of God, all the justice of God, all the righteousness of God has been found for us in Jesus Christ. It's all him. It's always been about Jesus. It will always be about Jesus, and it will never stop being about Jesus. It is all about Christ and Christ alone. And so when we go back and we read about the unblemished blood of the lamb back in Exodus, it points us to the unblemished blood of Christ in Hebrews chapter 9. When we see the disciples eating the bread and drinking the cup, it points us to what? John 6, 53. And what does Jesus say in John 6, 53? Unless you eat my flesh, unless you drink my blood, you do not have eternal life. All right, points us to that thing while celebrating in that moment in John 6, the Passover meal with his disciples. The whole Bible, again, has always pointed to Jesus being our finished substitute and our final sacrifice. All right, he's the final sacrifice for sin. And what do you mean by that? Well, at first, what did God do? God provided one lamb for one person, Abraham and Isaac. Remember, God told Abraham, I want you to take your son, your one and only son that you love. I want you to hike up this hill carrying wood on your back. And I want you to lay your son down. I want you to sacrifice him. I want you to kill your son for me. And what did Jesus say? No, there's a ram caught in the thicket. I've got to sacrifice one lamb for one man. He provided another son to go up a hill carrying wood on his back to die for us on top of that mount. Right? Praise God. We see that. Then it was not just one lamb for one person. It was one lamb for one household. That's the Passover, right? There was one lamb for each family. Each household had to provide one lamb and sacrifice that blood to be on their doorpost. Then on the Day of Atonement, when God established his religious system with his people, God provided one sacrifice for one nation, right? The nation of Israel to atone for all the sin of all the people of Israel. 
And then finally in John 1.29 you read, when Jesus shows up, the day came when God provided one lamb for the sin of the whole world. Jesus showed up, and what does John the Baptist say? Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the whole world. The final, perfect, finished, fulfilled sacrifice has been found in Christ and in Christ alone. And so when Jesus paid it all, when we sing that, there's the receipt. That's paid for. It is done. And now we have to have faith in what Christ has done for us. I want you to see this right here as we kind of wrap up and take the Lord's Supper today. Jesus not only canceled our spiritual debt, but he cured our spiritual disease. He not only canceled our spiritual debt, he's wiped it away. Our payment has been paid in full. But then what has he done? He has also cured our spiritual disease. 2 Corinthians 5.21, known as the great exchange, he who knew no sin became sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Right? He who had no sin, who knew no sin, he, what did he do? He became sin means he took our place so that in him, by faith in what he's done for me, we can what? Obtain and we can have and we can be placed under the righteousness of God. He took our sin and gave us salvation. Right? He took our unrighteousness and gave us his own. Right? We now can stand under the wrath of God, covered and protected and saved by the blood and the work and the body of Jesus Christ. You've got to have that picture here. I love the way Shane Pruitt would say this. Shane Pruitt is going to be here with us in August, but he says this. He says, if God was only love, there would be no cross for Christ. All right? If God was only love, there would be no cross for Christ. But if God was only just, then there would be no Christ for the cross. And praise God, he is both loving and he is both, both just, that he provides both a Christ and a cross, and he does it for us in our place. See the perfect love and the justice of God displayed for you. And what does that tell you today? That the sinner can be forgiven and that salvation can be found. What about you? All you got to do is repent of your sin. Surrender your life to Jesus. Admit, God, I have blown it. I have fallen short of your glory. But God, praise God that even though I separated myself from you, God, you pursued me. God, you provided for me. You came after me. And all you've given me is everything in Christ. And all I have to do is truly know that I'm a sinner separated from you. And if I repent of my sin, if I turn away, leave it behind, and, and kill that sin right there, and offer my life to you in repentance, I will be saved. I call upon your name. I believe in you, Jesus. I receive the free gift, and I'm never going to be the same again. Would you be willing to do that today? We thank you for listening. Be sure to click the subscribe button on this podcast so you don't miss out on any and all of our future content. We pray you were encouraged by the word of God today. If you feel that the Lord is leading you to make a decision or have questions, you can reach us on Facebook, Instagram, or at our website at newlifebaptist.faith.